Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, July 6th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. We've got an hour, so jump in quick. We're going to open the phone lines right now, so start dialing 855-950-3835. It is a free-for-all today. I have a bunch of odds and ends I'll talk about till the phones start ringing, but you might as well jump in, get in early. Then we'll head into rolling toe for the second hour, and then we will meet up again over in a Twitter space for another trucking free-for-all. Uh, the spaces are, are getting interesting. Yesterday we did a health space, and somebody wandered in that had no real idea what was going on, uh, had never listened to the show before, and started to educate us about health, and it got a little interesting. Uh, I think I ran her off eventually. There's a lot going on right now that's all about to break in the next couple of weeks in trucking that could really shift a lot of things. We are looking at potentially, let me find that headline, read it. The largest single employer strike in American history now appears inevitable. So yesterday, the talks between UPS and the Teamsters broke down. Um, this contract covers more than 340,000 full and part-time workers. Now, the contract expires on the 31st of this month. So it seems like they've got a couple weeks left, but they're not close. It just doesn't seem like um, they're going to come to an agreement on this one. At the same time, we have Yellow in talks, and Yellow is in really bad shape financially. They've been bailed out by the federal government with our money already. So as the Teamsters fund, those are two different things, by the way. Bailing out Yellow is one thing. Bailing out the Teamsters fund, pension fund, is another. Neither should ever happen. Those are both private businesses it, they should not be using our taxpayer money to bail these companies out. I hate that phrase, too big to fail. Nobody is too big to fail. Our economy can always pick up the slack. Now, for, for these two things to be happening right now, now, neither one of these carriers are truckload carriers. One's a package carrier, one's an LTL carrier. Doesn't matter. You lose that many trucks and drivers off the road and it will have a big impact on freight and trucking. And I'm not sure that we can really predict with much accuracy what it's going to look like. But if it were to happen, this really is a good time in some ways, meaning that it's not I don't think it will disrupt our economy all that much because we have the capacity now to suck this up. The problem I have with that is we really need to get more capacity out of the market right now. We've really been saying that since about 2018, 2017, 2018. One of the thing, one of the first things that extended the freight boom, really, it should have ended around 2017, 2018, uh, ELDs, ELDs limited capacity. Because we know without ELDs, it was a lot easier to cheat, and drivers did. We know it. Every time they would cheat, they were kind of cheating the whole system 
when you drive fast and cheat your logbook, you're driving rates down. I know a lot of people don't get that. We're, we're always told, oh, you guys are the penny pinchers running cheap trucks and squeezing out fuel economy just so you can run at lower rates. No, that's not the point. The point is to make more profit. What really drives down rates is having more capacity. It's supply and demand every time. So you artificially create more supply by driving faster and cheating your logbooks. So ELDs actually forced the, the non-cheating, which reduced capacity. So rates stayed high when they really shouldn't have. Then 2020 hit and COVID changed everything and not just COVID changing things, but the government handing out money like it grew on trees. We're, we're, I just read a, a I had read a headline, I didn't bother reading the article this morning, about Americans are now out of the excess cash they had during COVID. So if that's true, I'll probably go back and read it later today. That would be a good number to know because we, we've been wondering. You know, the, the extra money stopped, for the most part, a while back. But remember all the stuff that was going on. Remember, people didn't have to pay rent. People were getting lots of extra money from the government. And we're just now starting to get over that. People are now running out of that extra money. People are living on credit cards again. We know that during the pandemic, the savings rate went up dramatically, higher than it had been in a long time. And the credit card balance numbers went down. People had cash. They were paying off credit cards and saving cash but it was artificial. They didn't earn that money. The government was giving it to them. We took PPP money. I was completely transparent about that. And if it happened the same way again, I would do it again. I, I will not let the government give my competitors a bunch of money and then sit back and say, well, I'm not gonna take it. The government's gotta stop doing that kind of stuff. But they did it and it's what just kept it extending this freight boom. We all enjoyed it. We all made money. We also have to remember the higher things go, the farther they have to fall. We might be there now. We might be running out of cash in the economy. Now in trucking, the same would be true, except if we lose 340,000 workers from UPS who are on strike, and I forget how many it is with yellow, but it's a lot. That's a lot of trucks to come off the road. The reason it's hard to predict what will happen is because it, it's, it's in a segment that doesn't have all of that extra capacity. There is no way FedEx and the post office and all the other little package carriers can pick up the slack from UPS. They just can't. So now you have to start doing odd stuff. You know, we're going to have to start moving package trailers with contract trucks it will really screw up the system. It's hard to predict what will happen. Same thing with yellow. You're taking LTL trucks and trailers and drivers off the road. Now, the, the LTL industry may be able to suck that up. Um, we don't have a lot of big LTL players anymore. Well, there's a few running around. We've got a lot of small regional stuff still, so that's going to get interesting. Always, though. 
You, you shift this much freight around and take this many trucks and drivers off the road. It should, and, and I don't think this is a good thing, but some people will, it will keep a lot of trucks on the road that really should get washed out of the equation. So we'll have to see. Could be really interesting. We should know within a couple of weeks. Um, I've been talking about this topic many times. I'm going to keep talking about it because we haven't really hit the bottom of the freight recession yet, I don't believe. I think we're close. But there's another factor in that. Even if we say this is the bottom, how long is the bottom going to last? Because there are a lot of people that are hanging on by their fingernails right now and they can't last much longer. But if rates come back up, that will keep some people in the industry and you have to watch out for this. Former mail contractor says he and others owed thousands in back pay. Uh, this was actually an Oregon company, uh, Ameritrans Express. You know, I I wish we could get better uh, what do I have? nomenclature, wording. It says a former driver for Ameritrans Express, a contract delivery company that delivers mail for the U.S. Postal Service, says he's owed more than $15,000 in back wages, overtime, and mileage reimbursement. But later on, is this still the same person? I don't know if they named him. Uh, yeah, they do. Dustin Paxson, 41, worked for Ameritrans for nearly two years. Now, they called him a driver. They said back wages over time. But then it says, besides being owed six weeks pay, Paxson says he racked up thousands of dollars in credit card debt and fees to pay his living expenses and buy fuel for his truck. So this might be and I'm not familiar with this setup, this might be a two-check system. And if, if that's the case, then the wording is correct. He could be both an employee driver and an independent contractor at the same time. That's the two-check system. I've talked about it in the past. This is one of the ways to get around AB5 type laws. I, it's not a good one, in my opinion. It's overly complicated, and many people who own trucks didn't invest a bunch of money and start a business to then become an employee again. But that may be what's going on here. Uh, this gets worse, though. Uh, I should have made some notes. Where did I see this? There were some pretty big numbers in here. Uh, some of these contractors let this company get months behind. Uh, where was that? Well, here, I worked 14-hour shifts six days a week and leveraged all of my credit cards to the brink, paying everything out of my own pocket just so I could do my job during that time. Um, some male subcontractors are owed four months pay. Look, you don't have a lot of control whether or not the company you're contracted to may go out of business. If they file for bankruptcy, you've got a big, big problem. You're not going to get paid. You cannot let a company get this deep into you. They will take you down. I can't imagine there are many owner-operators, independent contractors that can afford to go four months paying all their expenses to do the job every day and not getting paid. Why would these people allow this to go on this long? In an environment like this, 
if you're, if the, whoever is paying you, if they miss a week, you need to start making changes. You need to start implementing plan B, which you should already have in place. It, it is really risky to continue working for a company the, the minute you know they are having trouble paying things. Fuel cards get shut off and there's always an excuse. Oh, the bank made a mistake. Give them that one week. If it happens twice, I would be out of there. In an environment like this, the odds of a company coming back after having struggles is not good. You do not want to let somebody else's poor business decisions take down your business. And that's what will happen if you're not careful. You should, you should be actively seeking as much information about your company as you can right now. You should try to figure out what kind of financial shape they're in. If they're a publicly traded company, you can go look. I look at it all the time. I talk about those numbers. Everything is there. We get to see it all if they're publicly traded. Most trucking companies aren't. It's not even close. I'm sure it's well over 90% of the trucking companies in the United States are not publicly traded. So you can't get those numbers. You have to do the best you can I, I always built relationships and made friends with people in management who would know this kind of information so that if I needed to know it, I knew who I could go ask. You got to pay attention right now. Like I said, do not let somebody, this could apply to brokers very strongly. Do not let a brokerage get behind on paying you. Pay attention to that stuff. And for God's sake, stop factoring. Just, uh, to, that is just one of the expenses that just would make me crazy to spend all that money on factoring when there are much better ways of handling that. Factoring companies can file bankruptcy too, by the way. You need to be aware of that. See, every time you add somebody into the mix, you have another weak point that you can't control. So when I see these small owner operators who want to be carriers and they go get their own authority and then they're using 30 and 40 different brokers, they have no relationship there. Every new broker is a new risk. Then they're using a dispatch company. Again, another risk in the equation there. Then they're using a factoring company. Again, more fees and another risk. If you're in that situation, using a whole bunch of brokers, a dispatch service and factoring, I, I don't know how you make it, even if you are good at monitoring the rest of your expenses. You could be wasting an awful lot of money in an operation like that. And guess what? Most people aren't even tracking it, so they don't know how much they're wasting. Keep an eye on anybody. Now, here's another way to think of this that owner-operators don't. When you go work for a carrier and you work all week or two weeks or whatever the pay system is, and you are waiting to get paid for work you have already done, you are extending credit to that company. Did you ever bother to check to make sure they're credit worthy and they stay credit worthy? Most people don't bother. You should have a plan B, probably even a plan C in a time like this. And you really should be paying attention to the people that owe you money.
All right. Um, I was just looking at some more of the strike information. Um, Basically, Yellow has said, uh, let me see if I can find this quote. Basically, the union is saying, we've done everything we can possibly do to try to save Yellow. We've given concessions, we've given back, and they're done. They're they're saying, and, and the union president and the union leadership is saying, let them fail. We're, we're not giving back anymore. I did find the numbers, 22,000 jobs. 22,000 union trucking jobs could disappear here soon. Um, thought I saw some dates in here. It, it, they're going to run out of money again fairly soon. Uh, so a lot of stuff that could break in the next couple of weeks around trucking and a lot of things could change. So we will certainly keep an eye on all of that. Uh, what else did I have up here? Uh, oh, interesting, you know, in uh, in our space, was it yesterday? I think it might have been. Yeah, it was. We got talking about the whole population conundrum. Do we have too many people on the planet or not enough? There's some, lots and lots of groups saying the planet can't survive. There's too many people, blah, blah, blah. They've been saying that for decades. Except along comes Peter Zeehan, which I'm still not sure what I think of this guy. And he writes a really compelling argument about how there's not enough people to continue our world economy. And that we will, that world economy is going to start to fall apart and we won't be doing a whole bunch of worldwide shipping because piracy may come back and it won't be safe. They're just going to start stealing ships out of the ocean. Well, ever since I read that book, I keep noticing headlines like this that I probably would have just ignored before. U.S. Navy stops Iran from seizing two oil tankers in the Gulf of Oman. That, that's what we're talking about, piracy. The U.S. is stopping that from happening. But according to Peter Zeehan in the book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, the U.S. is not going to be able to continue doing that. I was never really sure why not, but I guess it's because, I don't know, we won't have enough people. And we're, we're seeing some of these signs now, even in a slow economy, a really slow economy, we're still trying to find enough workers. That's odd. You know, we, we've talked about stagflation in the 70s and early 80s, and that's when I was getting out of high school. There were no jobs. It, that, it, was, it was very different than today. There were no jobs, and there weren't all these other independent contractor opportunities where I could just grab an app and start working, you know, within a day. I could grab two or three apps. There's nothing to stop me from being an Uber driver, an Instacart delivery, a DoorDash. I I can do multiples. And yet, for some reason, we we can't find enough people. It starts to make you wonder if he is really onto something with that whole concept. All right, I had a couple other things, but the calls are starting to pile up, and today's show's about you, so we're going to get to the calls. Let's go to... Texas. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. What's on your mind today? A um, couple of things. Uh, next week, I've been leased to the same carrier as an own operator with my own truck and trailer for 19 years. Congratulations. And I previously and I previously worked for a guy that had trucks there for about 
16 months. Wow. So I got 20, over 20 years of the same carrier. I love that. And I only, and I only been here for 23 and a half, so it didn't take me long to find my spot. <laughs> no, it certainly didn't. Yeah. That's awesome. So, but when I, when I first started with them, you know, my bookkeeper, she'd call me, oh, I got your settlement today, your net was this, your fuel was this, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's paid and you want a paycheck. Yeah, okay, yeah, we're good. And I never checked anything on the settlement, never. I just took her word for it. Right. Well, then after listening to you for years and years, and it's like I started checking stuff. So every settlement I get, I go through and I check line by line, make sure I get all my money. Well, yes. a couple of weeks ago, I'm checking the settlement, and it was a total of $15.41 that was missing. So I called him and I said, uh, why did the pay on this load change? I said, it's $15.41. And he says, oh, maybe it was right at the end of the pay period, which was the end of the month. Right. And he says, well, maybe the paperwork was printed on the the 30th, but you didn't load the load till the 1st, <laughs> but the, the fuel surcharge changed. I said, well, I loaded it on the 29th and delivered it on the 30th. So, so about an hour later, he sends me a text message. Yeah, you get your money on the next settlement, and it was in there on the next settlement. But okay, fifteen dollars and forty-one cents is not a lot of money. But it's I, your I don't money. know. He didn't tell me why. Yeah, but it's mine. So. It's yours, right? I, I don't, and uh, and here's the other thing yeah, to think of: so, if they made a fifteen-dollar mistake, they could make a hundred and fifty-dollar mistake just as easy. Yeah, or a fifteen hundred dollar exactly. Mistake, so, right? Yeah. Yeah, so in the early years, I'm not going back to check now, but right, I'm, right. I may have lost some money and I didn't even know about it, but I'll thanks tell you, to you, I check I, my numbers. So. I, I'm trying to remember. I don't recall. I must have had some, I would think, but I don't recall having any accounting clients that were, you know, the 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 car hauler the way you do it with the full-blown setup. I did have some really successful clients that did some more limited and closed car hauling, you know, pretty high dollar stuff. They yep. did really well. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of that carrier. There was a big carrier on the East Coast that did a lot of that. I don't remember. But so are, are settlements in, at your company complicated or are they pretty straightforward? And I'm pretty talking about pay. Yes, yeah, I get paid twice a month and, uh, you know, what, what I do from the 1st to the 15th, I get paid on the 25th. So, and from um, the 16th to the end of the month, I get paid on the 10th of the month following. Is it, but it's real simple. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Is it basically, you know, like just a couple lines per load, or how does it really work? Well, each, each, like, it, I've got two deliveries today, which I loaded yesterday, but um, two load numbers. So you write down the, okay. the load Got number, it. pick up and destination, and then they just so it'll list all the gross, and then they take their percentage, Wait. take Got the it. insurance out, take the fuel out, put the fuel surcharge money back in, and then any incentive fees or anything they give me, and That's down the bottom is the, oh, and then you know yeah. miscellaneous ELD or if I get a tire through the national right. account, anything right. like that that comes off. So, but. That's it, that's pretty uh, straightforward. Probably fifteen minutes, and I can yeah. yeah, fifteen minutes. I can go through, check everything, and then I I do it the old fashioned way. I wrote it, write it down in a notebook, and add it up as I go. Old school. Yeah, w and, worst uh, case but, uh, scenario. 
that, that I've works. seen. Yeah, and that works. That's pretty straightforward. That's really easy to stay on top of, and you should, like you are. At worst case scenario is the yep. moving industry. The moving industry, the the settlement setup for most of those companies is so complicated that I used to yep. work with a lot of these guys and I would go through and tell them, look guys, the more complicated the settlement process is, the more you have to stay on top of it because they could be, I, I don't wanna say cheating you because I don't think it's intentional, but I don't know why most of the mistakes always work against the owner operator. It almost, they yeah. almost never make a mistake that adds money to what they're paying you. But I don't think they're cheating. I just think it's the, how the system works. But theirs were so complicated. Yeah. I actually, one of my clients that her husband was a mover and she was yeah. having us do their tax return, but she did all of their accounting. And I started asking her, you know, how do these settlements even work? I've looked at these things and I can put them into our accounting system and get the right numbers out. But how do you know that all of this is correct? And she actually started a business, so her and I got talking about this. She started a business helping movers. She would audit all of their settlements and the way she got paid, I thought it was yep. brilliant. She would only get paid if she found oh, money. Percentage? She got a percentage of what she found. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was yep. shocked at how much money she was finding. It was quite a bit. There were a lot of mistakes in those settlements. Well, my my settlement, normally it'll be, it'll fit onto two pages. But the, the only reason it would go onto three pages is if I get a lot of multiple stop loads where, you know, With, I got... A load of ten vehicles, but it's ten individual stops. Right. So right. every every load, of, but that's the only. But normally it's a two page deal, and it's done. Yeah. And it's, the, it's real simple and easy to follow. Some of these yeah, movers, uh, if you had to go through all of the supporting documents that you had to look at to make sure the settlement was correct, it was twenty and thirty pages sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Okay. Yeah, it was really so, difficult to audit those, and and like I said, she got good at yeah. it and started and the, the business. Yeah, and the the uh, the Kiwi NASCAR driver that is debut event and he kicks ass and wins the race. The reason he won the race, in my opinion, is because he came from the supercar circuit, which have left turns and right turns, so he knew how to go down a left turn and a right turn. That's probably why he won. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so Right, I'll carry on and let you get somebody else. All right, thanks for the call. Let's go to Kentucky this time. Jerry, welcome to the program. Kevin, I don't remember whether I've told you lately or not how really, really good that pumpkin spice nut butter is. It's just delicious. <clears throat> yes, it is. Well... <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to disagree on that one. You almost caught me. There. I know, I, I know. I We're going to. I heard. Yeah, I did. Spice, almost. So, yeah. Cinnamon yeah. vanilla. Yes, that stuff is delicious. Uh, pumpkin spice for me just has too much clove. <laughs> I just can't do it. Oh, uh, I love it. It's just delicious, I think. So anyway, that's not why I called. So a couple of quick questions. Uh, I understand 100% how the uh, per diem works. If you go out to get a meal at the, the cost of that meal is accounted for under the per diem but what happens if you take an uber to get that meal is that deductible separate yes yes it absolutely is and that's a good question 
that would not fall under the per diem where you would be limited on the deduction. Remember, I think we're back to 80%. I know there was, a, for a while there, we were getting 100 during the pandemic, I think. There might have been a weird rule in place. But I think we're back to you only get to deduct 80% of your per diem. Every other business okay. expense. But 100% have, of the Uber ride. Correct. We get to deduct 100% of almost all business expenses. Per diem is the one weird exception. And I don't know why the government has to complicate everything. Why put in a, a number like $52 a day or whatever our per diem allowance is, but then make us calculate 80% of that number. If you're going to give us the allowance anyway, why not just give us the deductible part? Why add that second step and make it complicated for no apparent reason? Fair tax now. Exactly. But yeah, if Lord you were to take Lord. an Uber or, or any time you use a service like Instacart to deliver your groceries or Uber Eats to deliver your food or DoorDash. All of that is deductible. Now, the food you would separate out as 80%, but the delivery fees are all 100% deductible. Okay. All right. Well, I, I didn't know whether there was any stipulation that it was covered under the per diem or you just put it under what, entertainment? Uh, you know, I, I tend to, now there are no rules about how we classify expenses, what we call them. The only exception to that rule would be what I just talked about. You wouldn't be allowed to try to take your meals and <clears throat> stick them in some other category that gets you a hundred percent deduction. Right. But other than that, right. I understand. Other than that. The IRS doesn't care if I, let's say I buy a fuel additive. Well, if I want to, I could just call it fuel. If I want to, I could call it maintenance. I could call it supplies. I could call it fuel additive if I want and put it on the tax return that way. So other, once we're dealing with all the typical business expenses that are all 100% deductible, the IRS doesn't try to tell us how to account for them. So I tend okay. to stay away. I don't use entertainment because entertainment is one of those places where a lot of people cheat and the IRS knows that. So they, they'll look at that one closer and we would not be cheating by calling it entertainment, but I don't want that number to get bigger and they start looking at it. So I would tend to call it things like supplies. Or travel, I think I travel got a category okay. for travel. Right. Like travel is fine. Um, I think that's where I, uh, if I stay in a hotel, yes, that yeah. would be a correct. Yeah, that'd be a good place for it. So yeah, you can all right, do that. all right. I I just didn't know whether it was included in the per diem or not, and that answered that question. On uh, manuka honey, you'd suggested I take manuka honey. How low can you go before it's just honey and not medicinal? I found after you told me that, I found a jar at Walmart that was. 263 number is that that high enough to have any value at all or i think that not? scale goes to 500 that there's a couple of different scales and it, it confuses this issue more than oh. we need to but i think that particular scale might go to 500 yes that, that that's still well, I thought I'd, oh. additional properties well i bought some online that's 
MGO is the designation, oh, and it says okay. eight twenty nine. Yeah, that one I think goes That's, to fifteen hundred. If I remember, so two sixty three wouldn't be very high. But it, but it, it here's eight twenty nine. Here's the thing: it, it it still has those factors in there. So do we? If we're trying to use this maybe as daily maintenance kind of stuff, then maybe we don't want the really potent stuff. And I'm sure this was a lot less expensive. I mean, it seems to me like, oh hell yeah! The higher you go on that scale, the higher the price gets, and it can get pretty outrageous. You know, when you start paying thirty and forty dollars an ounce for some of that stuff. So I, I, I think if it's more for just daily kind of maintenance, this is a good number. Okay, well, I didn't know what the scale was. I, I saw the two sixty three at Walmart, and then I did get some online that was eight twenty nine. You know, but there's another scale that's much, much lower. We talk about numbers that are like 15 and 20 and 22. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's just like trying to measure something with the American system and the metric system. You're coming up right. with two totally different numbers, but in essence, you're measuring the same thing. Well, here's, uh, just re- I just picked up my jar that I got the 829. Okay. There's got, they've got two designations on here. They got 20 plus UMF. Right, and then right okay. beside it, it says MGO 829 plus. So the first, so hell, I'm not smart enough to know what, what uh, I'm looking at. Right. The first number was what I was just talking about. You're going to see much lower numbers, like in that 15, 20, 30 range, you get above 20 on that scale and it's pretty good stuff. This is one company okay. that actually uses both scales on the same product. I haven't seen that very often. Yes. Well, it's, uh, I don't know, just one I found online that, uh, you know, certified UMF Manuka honey. Yep. Raw, wild, and unpasteurized. So, I mean, it sounded like a good brand. I don't have any affiliation with the brand now at all. And I can't grab one of my Walmart ones to see what it says. So. Yeah. Now at 829, that, that is definitely medicinal. Like if you had burns or cuts, it, it works. It, Manuka okay. works great on skin issues, but it's also good for our gut and our GI tract. And, you know, we used to worry that if these things are such powerful, you know, antibiotics, antifungals, are we going to wipe out the good bacteria? But it seems like we're learning more and more. There are definitely things we can take that target bad bacteria and leave the good bacteria alone. We just had a show yesterday. We talked about it. Silver. Silver. We. I used to be really careful about silver. I used to tell people, no, don't do it. I, I was too worried that it was too powerful. We, we didn't know enough about it. Um, I, I've learned a lot from Dr. Wolfson on this, that we can take daily silver internally and not wipe out our gut bacteria. And Manuka honey, I'm starting to believe, could be the same way. If we wanted to take this daily... It may be a, a good uh, good way of trying to keep our, our gut bacteria in check. I can't hurt anything, Shirley. Good, Doesn't seem good quality like stuff. So. Right. Yeah, we used to think, well, it, it's just too powerful. It's going to wipe out good bacteria. But that doesn't seem to be the case. We're learning more about this. You know, I almost made today my open a health day, but there was enough going on in trucking. Um, that documentary that Dr. Griffin recommended yesterday, Secret Ingredients, I decided to watch it last night. Um, I, I will say this. It's not one of my favorite documentaries. They're, they're the magic pill. They're a bunch that I really enjoyed more and learned more. 
but I did learn some really specific stuff in here that I didn't understand. Uh, somehow I missed this along the way. Um, the, the whole movie, really, I'll just give you the secret ingredient. The whole movie is about glyphosate and GMOs. The, their whole answer huh. in this movie is eat organic and non-GMO. They don't really talk about not eating grains. They really don't talk about eating low carb. I They don't push veganism or vegetarianism at all, but I happen to notice every time they showed a picture of good, healthy, whole food, there was no meat in the picture. It was always a whole bunch of vegetables, which I kind of get because the glyphosate GMO issue is more of a vegetable issue, although we do have GMO salmon now. So you've got to be careful. Oh, Lordy. oh yeah, that's unbelievable. Now, there was some good news about GMO salmon. There was a big facility being built in Ohio that was going to crank out a whole bunch of these. You know, one of the things they modified in the salmon? They grow. I have no idea. They grow to mature weight in half the time of a natural salmon. A natural salmon is 36 months to market weight. These do it in 18. Oh my. Something's just wrong with like that. Like genetic you know, we, modification? Yes. They spliced genes in from some sort of eel that grows really fast. Huh. We, we should uh, I don't know stop. why they can't just let nature have its way. Exactly. We should stop doing this. This is a really, really bad idea. They did focus more on the glyphosate issue. And I didn't even really know or understand this. We talk about glyphosate all the time. That's Monsanto's product. But um, Dow makes a product like this. Bear makes a product like this. I think there were five big chemical companies. I can't remember the others that all make a product like Roundup that, and then they make the plants and the seeds that are Roundup ready. So your soy plants, right. your corn plants, you can saturate them with Roundup all season long to kill weeds and it doesn't affect the plant. Now, here's what I learned that I didn't understand. They've always said that this stuff is safe for humans because we don't have the pathway that a plant has that this blocks to kill the plant. So they kind of claimed it was inert in the human body. It just doesn't do anything. Well, they were wrong. It causes cancer, um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma to be specific, um, I don't know what the mechanism is and why it causes cancer, although I have a, a clue after what I learned. Here's the problem. We don't have that same pathway that plants have, so this should not affect our ourselves, our human body. But what do we talk about all the time? We're only 10% human. We're 90% bacteria. Guess what bacteria does have? That same pathway that plants a pathway. have. Yes. Yep. So they can claim it's not affecting the human body, but it's affecting our microbiome horribly, which is 90% of our human body. That's a problem. That's a real problem. I never got that connection. I didn't understand this is really hard on our gut bacteria. 
because it, it will kill it the hmm. same way it kills plants. Interesting. So, it, oh, heavens, life is pretty complicated. Yeah, so I, let's go back over something on this diet thing. You know, a lot of people believe that sugar was the biggest culprit in the standard American diet. And you can certainly make that argument. I kind of went down the path of, I think grains are the worst offender. You know, grains are high in sugar, so that is a problem. They're high in carbs, which is sugar. Then they have all these offending proteins. They have all these chemical defenses. Um, so grains were public enemy number one for me. Um, for a while, Dr. Mercola said that. Then he came out later and said, no, after really looking at things, I think these seed oils are the number one problem in the standard American diet. So was it sugar? Was it seed oils? Is it grains? And now this movie, their big take is, no, it's glyphosate and GMO produce that's killing more people. It's the biggest offender. Well, I don't think we need to argue. It's kind of like arguing which manufacturer makes the most aerodynamic truck. They're so close, who cares? I will avoid all four of these every chance I get. I mean, I just eliminate Yeah, one doesn't have to be mutually mind. exclusive to the other. Exactly. Right. right. You, can have, you can have more than one bad thing. You can grieve. Oh, heavens. All right. Well, that answered the honey question. I'll just take a little bit of it. It seems to be helping between that and the digestive protocol. It seems to be helping with my reflux problem so far anyway. So. Excellent. Good. Good. Keep it All on. right. One quick commentary on the yeah. One sure. quick commentary on the Twitter space from from my perspective. This is strictly my perspective, but I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I was first trying to listen to it. And the only way I can listen to it live is through my phone, and I understand that. Now, here's my here's my take on it, and I will admit that this is my problem, not anybody else's. But I am fairly hard of hearing. Okay. My radio in my truck is not Bluetooth capable, so I can't hook my phone up Bluetooth through the radio. I have my tablet that I listen to the podcast on live, you know, hardwired to it, so there's no connection interruption sure. or anything. My books and the podcast are all hardwired to my truck radio. So in order to listen to it on the phone, I have to listen to it on the phone my speaker on the phone is not loud enough to, for me to hear over the truck radio, so then I have to use the Bluetooth, and riding down the road for an hour with that stupid Bluetooth in my ear just drives me right. nuts. Right. Furthermore, the audio quality for me listening to it on the radio, it sounds like you are standing in front of a microphone, and you keep turning your head away from the microphone. Right. It keeps fading in and out for some reason. You're very, very lispy. Sure. I don't know the only, any other word to explain it is lispy, and then the, for me being hard of hearing, the background noise of multiple speakers and multiple speakers with background noise, it just makes it absolutely unlistenable for me. All of those are absolutely legitimate, no doubt. And, and I think about those and how can we improve those. I have a couple ideas for you, maybe. And then, you know, we're trying to solve this for everybody. And, and again, the Twitter space improved sound quality for the participants and made mine worse. And you are correct. I, all I am using to do that space is my phone. It's just on speakerphone sitting, you know, on the desk in front of me. So you're right. If I start moving my head around too much, I could see how that could affect it. 
Um, when I do this show, I'm either standing right in front of a, a mic on a boom, and I know I have to stay close to this mic because it's noise canceling, or if I want to wander around, I put on my broadcast headset, and then no matter what I do with my head, the mic stays in the same position. I, I'm trying right. to work out technology where my phone will accept a better quality mic and it doesn't seem to be improving the sound nearly as much as I think it should. So I, 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 and I can't figure out why not. So here's two potential solutions for you. You said your truck radio does not have Bluetooth, but does it have a physical connection anywhere for what's called aux in, A-U-X-N? It does, and that's the one I have my tablet into. Now, when you first started the, just a, throw in another peripheral issue. When you first started your podcast, I did not know that it would be available on my tablet or not. You know, when you first right, right. first started it back to this audio road. So I with great effort finally got my cellular provider to figure out how I can hook a cord into my phone and then I can hook that yes. audio jack in so you could still do that. If I'm listening to the show going down Right, I can, but trying to do all that crap going driving down the road and I, I paying agree. attention to the road, you know, I mean, I, I got my limit. I, 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 I got my, I mean, it, the jack's already there, and I got to unhook it out of the tablet, and then I got to get this little cord off my dash, and I got to hook it into the bottom of the phone, and then I got to hook that jack into that, and it just, so yeah, I can do it, but, you know. So here's another idea. Somebody <laughs> somewhere, right. and I don't know what, you know, Android, Apple, I, I don't really care. Somebody makes a splitter for that line. You could, at the beginning of the day, plug both in at the same time. Well, I could, yeah, right. I could That's probably. One I think, here's, yeah. a, here's another one. Yeah. And th this has issues too, but I'm just giving you some options. Rather than Bluetooth to something that's physically in your ear, which I can't do that all day long. There's no way. And, and what, I don't want those things in my ear. They're right next to my brain. I really don't want Bluetooth headsets. I don't use them for that reason. I don't want a whole bunch of EMFs around my head all day long. So when I use headphones, they're wired, old school wired headphones. I won't use Bluetooth. Um, but what I do use quite a bit, I've got them all over the house, Bluetooth speakers. You just buy an, a, a separate Bluetooth speaker. You can buy some pretty big ones too, and you have space for them. But some of these things will put out a, a significant amount of volume. I mean, you just, they're usually battery. Um, you can plug them in so they stay charged, but you can usually just stick one of these things somewhere in the truck and then just send your, your phone audio to that instead of something that's in your ears. But then that requires me to try to figure out I how know. to get the Bluetooth to come <laughs> to that speaker, and, and I'm just and, and, technologically illiterate. I well, just, and, and not only you know that, it complicates my life. Not only that, I get that. You do have to, but you will be driving down the road, and some other device will grab your Bluetooth. It seems to happen quite often. That's why when people, when we brought out the scan gauge and it was a physical plug, I people said, why don't you make it Bluetooth? Why isn't it a phone app? And I, I said, I am not going to be responsible for one more distraction in the cab. There, there's too much going yep. on with all these apps and wireless and Bluetooth being grabbed. And then you're driving, trying to get your, I, I, it's already bad enough. I decided I was not going to add to that problem. And we just kept the scan gauge hardwired. Well, I'll go back to my statement I've told you about 
three times now that people misunderstand the distracted driving. It's actually the driving that's a distraction. Uh, really? I know. There's just way too yeah. much going on in these vehicles now. All right. Well, I just want to pass on my, my personal experience with this Twitter space. It just isn't working for me at all, and I'm not offended that you're doing it. I understand 100% why you're doing it, and it's probably beneficial for the overall business uh, model, but it just doesn't work for me. And all everything you said is absolutely legitimate, and we're trying to improve all of it. Well, I hope you never doubted what it was legitimate. Good grief. <laughs> all right. Good all right yeah. Got to grab the final call here for the day. Tom, you get the last word. What's on your mind today? Yeah. Oh, shoot. It's already been an hour. Are you just doing an hour today? Uh, yes. Then on Thursdays, we do an hour free for all. Then I believe Mike might be doing rolling toe by himself today. And then we come back at 10 for a Twitter space. You are going to do a space today. Okay. I'm going to yes. try your space on the, uh, on, on, on the wet's truck so app, I, do, I missed it yesterday. Well, no, you didn't. You might have, but it wasn't necessarily your fault. I forgot to hit the button yesterday. I did not broadcast the space live, and I also did not. Oh. It, it's the same button to broadcast it live also triggers the recording, and so I didn't get either one. Luckily... I remembered to hit the record button on Twitter, so then I created a whole bunch of work for Aaron because Aaron has to go back. You can't download the recording from Twitter. You have to email them and request that they send you a copy of it, and it takes a couple days. So oh, Lord. Aaron came up oh, with, sure a, with the workaround when I screw things up. <laughs> He goes into Twitter and plays the whole recording and captures it with a recording program. Uh, so uh, when I make a mistake, I create a couple extra hours work for Aaron, but I think he handled it for me. So it was not live yesterday, well, but the recording should be up on the app at some point. Okay, cool. Um, uh, so, so the glyphosate, corn oil, sugar, grains, don't forget the high fruit coat fructose corn syrup and uh but all those are sort of like that that'd be like sleeping with the hottest chick on the view you know what i mean you really don't want any of them <laughs> that's a good analogy i love that one i might steal that one from you right <laughs> sure um and then i was going to talk about yellow but real quick so i'm a company driver w2 uh i get uh, 56 cents a mile and uh, 10% of it they take out as per diem. And I know they're not supposed to do that. Isn't that right? Uh, the, 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 wait I can't. a minute. Wait, wait, wait. So you got when I they, said, everybody right. says this wrong. They don't take out per diem. That's just a, an well, incorrect they take statement. 10%, so I get paid. I get, well, well, here, let me, let me okay, on the, on the statement it says, uh, you know, uh, my, I get paid on all miles. So I, I get 46 cents. On all miles that they tax, and then the ten percent or the uh, ten cents a, a mile, they say is per diem, but they don't tax that ten that ten, right. ten cents a they're, mile, not ten percent. They're ten not, cents a mile. They're not taking it out, and people always say no. That, they call like, it per diem. Right, words are important, and it helps us understand. They're adding oh, that's it. okay. That's who Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're adding it to the check. It. They're right. not taking it away. It's so, I, I just... I, right, right. But here's why it gets okay, confusing. I do what you're saying, right. 
what they do is say, we're going to pay you 56 cents a mile. 46 cents right. of it is going to be taxed and 10 cents of it is, yes. will, will be per diem and not taxed. That is completely acceptable. The only thing that company On a W-2 employee. or yes, it is completely acceptable. This is how so when I pay my taxes, get, so this is how. So we have to go back to Trump's tax law change, which I claimed was one of the best ever. It really was for small business. It right. was awesome. But the drivers kind of got screwed, employee drivers, because they took away the ability to deduct the per diem. You know, you used oh, to be okay. able to take that allowance that you get for every night you were away from home and you were allowed to take a tax deduction for it. They took that away. You can't do that anymore. That was a big right. hit for drivers, right. a huge hit. Yeah, it, it was one of those yeah, unintended consequences. They didn't do it to punish drivers. They did it to simplify the tax system. Instead of giving yeah. everybody all these yeah. complicated deductions, they just said, we'll give everybody a big standard deduction to make it easy. Fine, but you really screwed the employee drivers and, and it wasn't intentional. But there was a fix for this. And the fix is the carrier starts paying the per diem. Now, you're not going to deduct it you're not allowed. You don't have to. No. The carrier's giving it to you tax-free. Now, now Trump's tax law change was twice as good for you because you still get that big standard deduction everybody gets and you get this 10 cents a mile tax-free. Well, but but when I send it to my when I send it to my W2s cuz it's all my W2, when I send my W2 to my tax guy, He's paying the tax, so I'm claiming zero and still ended up owing a ton of money because he's claiming the, the uh, that I got, have to pay him the $0.10. Cents. If Then you need to fire his stupid ass and find an accountant who knows what the yeah, hell he's except, doing. This is not difficult, except, yeah. and this is unexcusable okay. for a tax preparer not to understand this. Well, I'm sort of, he's got me by the short hairs because I've been dealing with this son of a bitch for six years now because it was one of those deals where i got behind on my taxes and tried to do the um the uh hey tom um, i only have a couple you know, minutes i want to cut to the yeah. chase here right you okay. need to take your last atbf you need to take your last yeah. three tax returns to somebody else and let them go fix this and you might be getting a bunch of money back yeah. Okay. Because yeah, this is this is out of hand. But this somebody she's like I think I'm about a short hairs because I already gave him five grand. Yeah. Don't even go to ATBS. Yeah. On yeah this I'm gonna call, call ATBS. Call no. No. Don't go to ATBS. I, I love those call, guys, by the way. Call who? Still good friends with them. Yeah, but call who? Wait, uh, Travis, our, our accountant. I'm gonna put you back on hold. How? Where? I'll put you back on hold, and yeah. Angie will get you the information. Oh, perfect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You give Travis a call. Travis will handle this. This is, I'm not going to say it's its out of ATBS, but they, it's not what they, they probably do a lot of it as well because they, they're going to get new clients all the time. They're really good with taxes. They are, and I love those guys. But I Travis is, is our accountant, and we do send a lot of people there as well. For this case, I would I would call Travis. Oh, oh, no, I didn't hang up. Angie's got him. Uh, all right, I've got to wrap this up, and I am right on time. Um, 
I got to give Mike a hand getting set up because normally I work with Kevin on that. Um, so Rolling Toe will be back in probably less than five minutes, definitely less than 10. And then I will be back at 11, just about an hour from now, 11 Pacific time. So stay tuned. Still a lot on tap for today. We will be right back. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.